0: Hello, listeners, and welcome to The Edge Podcast. I am your host, Leslie Vickery, CEO and founder of ClearEdge Marketing. For those of you new to The Edge, we feature executive women in the recruitment industry in an effort to shine the light on the wonderful women leading our industry forward and for up-and-comers. If they can see it, women in executive roles, and understand the day in the life of the C-suite, they can certainly envision and be it. today's episode, it brings me great pleasure to welcome Leone Tyler, President of SI Systems. Welcome, Leone. Thank
1: you. Thank you, Leslie. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: It was so much fun preparing for today's podcast and learning about some of the personal similarities. We have just a couple things. One, we each have a new puppy, which is exciting, and maybe we'll even hear them a little bit in the background today while we're recording our our little special guests, and you and I have both actually recently built our dream homes, although yours is on a lake and mine's in the mountains, so I feel like we have that covered, and if you ever feel like um, swapping homes for a vacation, (laughs) let me know. I think we've got the best of both worlds covered between the two of us. Yeah, that would be and we we I don't I you know I think that would be great. We also each have a deeply shared passion for advancing women in leadership. And on that topic, a quick congratulations because you were recently named to SIA's Global Power 150 Women in Leadership.
1: Thank you so much. That was quite an honor. I was very, very uh, honored to be mentioned uh, along such other Very illustrious women in that who were awarded as well.
0: I think as people hear your story today, they will certainly see why you were named to that list, several accomplishments and such a wonderful career. So I'm really excited to share your story with our listeners here today. And you really had a busy year. You also recently announced that SI Systems has new investors, so Cornell Capital LLC and TorQuest Partners which really allows your team to better serve your clients in both Canada and the U.S. market. So thank you again. I'm so excited to have you here. And I know, again, as I mentioned, that our listeners will soon find out when they hear your story that it's actually really different than a lot of the executives we interview on our podcast. And it's partially with how you got started in the staffing industry. So I expect a lot of great lessons out of today, no pressure. Um, But (laughs) first, why don't we kick off a little bit by sharing some background about SI Systems to start.
1: So uh, SI Systems was uh, founded 28 years ago now in Calgary in Canada by Derek Bullen, um, who was actually an IT programmer at the time. And he started the company to actually find work for his friends. And we are currently the largest staffing, IT staffing firm in Canada. We have a presence nationally across Canada, and we have a small presence in the U.S., in Chicago and Houston. We're focused on uh, contract staffing, direct hire, and payrolling. And our vision is to be Canada's partner of choice for on-demand IT professionals. But as you just mentioned that we have some new investors um, in the company. I'm very excited about that. And I see that our vision will change um, fairly rapidly to be North America's partner of choice for on-demand IT professionals. Our purpose is to connect human potential to meaningful work. And I really love this. It really resonates to me because it actually speaks to all of our constituents, um, to our clients, to our consultants, to our employees, and to our shareholders, connecting that human potential to meaningful work.
0: I love that phrase, human potential to meaningful work. I know we'll talk a little bit about it later. It's not surprising to me to hear that just based on everything that's so important to you, being in the staffing industry and the people business, but really some of the unique things you do to foster growth within your teams and the people that you invest in through SI systems. So Kudos to you, human potential, to meaningful work, and I'm excited to watch your continued growth across North America. And, you know, your journey, however, didn't really start in the staffing industry, and I'd love to kind of switch gears a little bit from talking about SI Systems, which we'll get back to, but before we talk about how you came to our industry, I want to hear about where you started in your career And you shared while we were prepping for this podcast with me a story that I just loved. And as we think about this, you were taking a walk with your mom and you were at the age of 16. And that's really when your career began. I'd love for you, just like you did for me before, to take us in that moment of time where I could so vividly kind of envision and picture you with your mom. And you were so young, but... Really, at that moment, it really defined the beginnings of your career, again, at 16.
1: Yeah, my family moved from England, um, and I missed the college year. My intention was I was going to go back to uh, college. I'd come from England at 16, and I had finished high school at that point. So my mother and I decided that we were going to take a walk uh, downtown, and we were going to actually maybe look for some jobs. So we were walking down King Street in Toronto, and I remember my mom looking up at the tallest building in Toronto, which was the Bank of Montreal Tower at First Canadian Place. And she said, that's an amazing looking building. We should go in there. And literally, we walked in, we walked over to the elevator, looked for the personnel department at the time, three HR days, and uh, proceeded to go into the bank and put an application in And to my surprise, I got a call back uh, the next day. That was a Thursday. And then I actually started work with the Bank of Montreal on the following Monday. And I feel so, so blessed for that moment in time. I can remember it as I recall it now and as I recalled it to you, Leslie, as if it was yesterday. And in fact, it's literally just down the street from where the SI Systems office is in Toronto. So when I'm in that office, I have some nostalgia every time I walk past First Canadian Place. I felt extremely blessed. I actually started in the basement of uh, First Canadian Place. It is the tallest building in Canada. And I think I was in the B2 level when I started. And I was given the immediate opportunity by the bank to start my career there. And I seized that moment. My father my dad was an entrepreneur and I was raised with a very strong work ethic and a drive to succeed. And I always wanted to, um, I had this self-imposed, I think, um, need to succeed to show my mom and dad how much I appreciated the life that I had with them. And I worked hard, I was friendly, and I moved very quickly through the organization. And, you know, I I hate to admit it, but I actually found out later that one of the reasons I got the job was that I had a British accent. So having a British accent at that time also helped.
0: (laughs) I think it still helps today, especially in the U.S. So it could work to your benefit as you're expanding the business as well again just thinking of you standing there with your mom and her just pointing out the tallest most beautiful building and the fact that you were able to walk in and then the next day um, land a job it is it is one for the storybooks. and then to have it be right down the street from where you are today it really comes full circle said your plan was actually to leave female for school but they offered to train you which ultimately became your education So fast forward, you were there 25 years. You went from filing clerk in the basement to working your way into the executive ranks, And then you took a sabbatical to really reevaluate your priorities. You went to India in what you refer to, and I love this, as your eat, pray, love moment. So I'd love for you to now take us back to that time and that process. 25 years later, what made you decide to take a sabbatical. And what I would say, what you took away from it, not everyone has the opportunity to do that. So I'd love to know what made you decide to do it, what you took away from it. And then that eventually led you to SI systems.
1: I felt extremely grateful for my career. And I, and I feel um, extremely grateful for the people I worked with at BMO and um, I still do. And I, my career grew organically. As you said, I actually didn't go to formally to school. I actually was educated through these amazing programs that BMO had at the time. And they still have a very strong program as well, but I was extremely fortunate. I started um, the time there, I, I was actually started to um, get into meditation and yoga. And one of the things that someone had asked me if I'd ever thought about meditating and I was like, no, but what do I have to do? Because this person was very present, very grounded, very aware and they inspired me. And so I started to uh, meditate and I actually found this deep grounding in myself as I was doing it. And what I realized that was that my career had grown so organically and, and very beautifully. But I actually wanted to step back and take some time to reflect on myself, to look at how it was that I got to where I was and to really look at would I have done anything differently or would it, would there have been anything different? Because I started to have an awareness of myself in this different space as I started to to meditate. And so I wanted to take some time to reflect, to actually indulge in looking at myself and to make sure that I was on the right path and to see what it was that I wanted to do moving forward. And I had some extremely supportive people. I was with Nesbit Burns, the investment arm of, um, of BMO at that time. And the chairman was extremely supportive because I went in to talk to him about it. And i would looked at a lot of my female colleagues who had taken time off. And I know it's not a sabbatical, but when they've had children, um, which is also a very hard thing to do for women to take time off and do that. But I hadn't actually taken any time off. And so I went to the chairman at the time and I spoke to him and he was extremely supportive and he was a very grounded person himself very into um, making sure that his team uh, were happy in their environment because then they would be happier in a work environment and produce you know in a different capacity in the office so he was very progressive for his time and he supported me I went to India and I spent time in ashrams and it was mainly I wanted to go somewhere that was very far away from my existing life here in Canada at the time. I'd also lived in Chicago. I'd spent time in England as well. So obviously I wanted to see myself in an unfamiliar environment where there was a different language, a different culture. And I wanted to experience myself in a new way so I could see things about myself that I might not see day to day here. And during that, Period. I found a deeper connection, um, not only to myself, but to nature, to people, to different cultures. And um, it was in one meditation, coming out of a meditation in an ashram, I felt very, I I, I awoke to the um, realization that in my day-to-day life, I was very far removed from the earth, from nature. Uh, from being grounded. And I actually saw myself in this box in the sky, which was my office on the 49th floor of First Canadian Place. it, it startled me a bit that I felt like I might be a little bit too far removed from life and from nature and grounding. And, and so when I came back, I did return to the bank and I spent uh, almost a year there. But an opportunity arose for me because I started to question what it was I was doing and how I could bring into my life that deeper connection while I could still obviously support myself and have a living, but also somehow come closer, a closer connection to my day to day life. And an opportunity arose um, in Western Canada, in Alberta, in Calgary, to be specific, with Canadian Pacific Rail. And after 25 years at the bank, I took a courageous move to leave an organization where I knew everybody. In fact, the uh, CEO at that time was one of my mentors. And part of the accountability I had at uh, CP Rail was in the IT space and I had the accountability for the IT staffing and vendor management. So um, that's where I came across SI Systems because we were a client of SI Systems and in fact used them for about 90% of our staffing needs. And I met um, at the time my account executive and then the managing director and Derek at the time the president. So I was led by this passion to be closer to nature, more grounded, closer to myself. I leveraged my career at BMO and moved to the railroad, but got my first introduction to really the IT staffing industry. And I I love the people I met at SI Systems and that relationship through the Canadian Pacific was actually something that kind of morphed over time into how I landed up at SI Systems.
0: I think it's a telling story too. And thank you for sharing your journey. I think a lot of people listening will relate to you feeling like you weren't necessarily grounded in nature. And I love that you have carried now your meditation practices from India through to your kind of day-to-day, not only personally, but at work. And I know we'll talk about that a little later because I think it's really important as you think about staying grounded. And it's not that we're great at doing that all of the time, but when we're reminded and, and try to work that practice into our everyday, it can make such a huge, a huge difference in just our day-to-day lives, professionally and personally speaking. But what a huge testament to Derek and the team for you to fall so in love with a vendor. I think this is a good lesson for those listening, you know, that they staff 90% of your IT staffing business, and you really became very close to them, so much so that you left to become, you know, an executive at their company. And I know through our work together, I've actually heard you mention his name a couple of times already today, but I know you have a wonderful relationship with Derek, also the founder and CEO at SI Systems, who we've talked about here. He brought you into your first position and it sounds like he instantly saw the value you could and did bring to the company. I think it was a few conversations, and he convinced you to come on. You came on. He saw so much value in you and obviously rising up to now being president of the company. And I do believe the power of allyship, and I know you believe in allyship as well. Would you mind sharing for our listeners some of the ways that he did stand beside you as an ally that were most impactful?
1: Yes, it was, I think, from the first interactions I had with not only Jane, Hardev, and Derek, I could see the culture of SI Systems was, um, you know, it was very professional. In fact, their values at the time were professional, accountable, transparent, and driven. We've actually, over time, morphed that driven into what's possible because, for us, when I looked from the outside and I learned about their values, I could see they were living them. They resonated very much with me. You know, it was, it's interesting. You did say that Derek actually, um, his, after I left Canadian Pacific, I actually took some time again for myself just to uh, a few months off. In fact, it was about nine or 10 months off. During that time, we had actually become friends because when I looked at how SI systems were structured and then there were events and how they service their clients and the integrity of those relationships. When I went to events, I actually got to know Derek more personally and I got to meet his wife and his family. And my partner Todd also got to meet and um, integrate with that as well. So we very much became friends um, before we came became SI Systems business colleagues. Obviously, we were client and vendor relationship, but the friendship very soon created far beyond anything that we had in the business relationship. Um, I saw that the values that were in SI Systems and the culture were very true to how Derek lives his life. And uh, he also likes to have fun. And he cares about his people, and so it was. It was really interesting when he approached me. I was very, um, I was reserved about joining the company because I actually didn't want to hamper our friendship in any way. And this would be one of the first examples I think of allyship with Derek when I said to him, "You know, I'm concerned that I, our friendship would actually suffer if this didn't work out." And And he he spoke to me about how deep our friendship was and that that wouldn't happen. And so we decided to move forward. And I said to him, we need a code word if this doesn't work. And he said, the code word is, it's not working. And he was so transparent and so genuine with me that I, I laughed. And I just thought that was and that was now seven, eight years ago. And we've never used the code word. He's always been there for me. It's been fun. I think our friendship has actually, you know, it's morphed into this amazing business relationship. Um, Our friendship is still there. I look at the way the company is run and I look at our executive team. I look right throughout the organization. I have business colleagues and many, many of those are my friends. I came to help Derek. He asked me to help him come and help with the integration of an acquisition that he'd done and to develop and grow the team. And that's actually something I've been doing since I joined. And Derek trusted me with that. He trusted me with um, developing and growing the team to the size of the company that we've um, become today. And that hasn't changed. That was from day one. It was something that he... um, made available to me and has stood behind me all the, all the well, I won't say behind me, stood beside me and and has allowed that to continue to progress. I love um, helping other people grow. I love seeing that, that human potential come into realization. I really care about the people. And it's one of the things that I, I think is the thing I've brought into the company. It was very much, I saw that before. Um, But Derek's really fostered the ability for me to bring that in, in my own way. And I think um, I'm I'm also a very caring, very loving person. And and I I bring the word love into the boardroom and into our business place. And and I care deeply about my team. I, I care deeply about the organization. We just had one of our Christmas parties here and I just I just so love the people I work with. And I am um, so appreciate Derek for the way he creates this open environment and inspires the people that he brings into the team to bring their highest qualities into the organization and he does this with many different people and i think we do that now in the organization to complement and create an organization that's built on diversity and and i'm not going to say it again and it's built on love as well as professional, professionalism and integrity I'm extremely grateful for him continuing to talk to me about coming into the industry, because while I loved it from the outside, in the beginning, a little bit apprehensive about our friendship. But I have to say, I think it's been one of the most fun experiences of my career is um, having this canvas that we're painting that's SI Systems.
0: It's funny to
1: think through your
0: whole journey and... Just from the beginning, you know, the start, you never really know what's ahead of you, but all of the signs leading you right to where you were meant to be. And it's, it's so interesting, the parallels. And it's just hitting me now as you're, as you're saying this, because you were, you know, a client of theirs and then you became friends with Derek and then he had you come on board to the company. You worried about the friendship, but also there's a sense of, I think loyalty to where you knew the team because you were a client of theirs, but then you also want to see Derek as a friend, be really successful. And as you get to know them, the company and the team and everyone else and build that in. And it's so interesting that you mentioned kind of the business side, but the friendship first and then coming in as an executive in the company. We recently added a president, Erica Heisen, to our company as well. And, she was a client and then a very good friend of mine for years. And then as we were looking to grow and scale, have, bring her on board, having these same exact conversations about the friendship, but she was so passionate about our business and our team having known us from working together and being part of the industry that she really wanted to come on board to make a difference and support me with the vision of the company to bring it to life, but also the team as a whole. But sometimes in the C-suite, you don't hear as often, you know, hiring friends, so to speak. But I look at, I just feel so fortunate when I look at my career in this industry. A lot of my friends are the people who I work with and, and trust the most, my personal and professional friends. And I think there's something really special about that that we have fostered within this space. And a big piece of that is something you mentioned with human potential When you focus and lead with love, as you mentioned, and you can bring that into the boardroom level, there's so much more potential that you can achieve when you have that trust and sense of loyalty together, too.
1: Yeah. Isn't it amazing how there's so many parallels here that we have?
0: (laughs) I know. I love it. Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, so an interesting parallel for you, really, is that SI Systems, as we just talked about earlier, recently received a private equity investment that is going to give you that additional opportunity to expand in both Canada and the U.S. It's such an exciting time, and I can imagine while it was exciting to go through, it can also be a long process. I also imagine it was a process in which there really weren't many women involved. However, you have a really unique background coming from finance, so you were actually uniquely suited to be part of that conversation. So I'm curious what the process was like for you and what advice do you have for other female executives as they enter something similar, how can they better prepare for the the PE experience and feel a sense of confidence, even if they don't have that, that finance background per se, that you had walking in to the room, so to speak.
1: Yeah, I think it's a really interesting question because there were a few women, like I've been through this process twice now. Um, Initially in 2018 when Quad C became our partner and now more recently with uh, Cornell Capital and TorQuest. And I have to say it's an absolute honor and privilege to be part of a process like this, to see how these transactions actually work. And I think that's one thing you need to be thinking about when you're going into this, like what a great experience it is for anyone that has the opportunity to move forward into it. And as I, as I said, it's, it's still um, an industry, the investment banking and the private equity business is still fairly heavily weighted to men. There were some women that came to the table, which is always so lovely to see, and um, Really, when I think about my background in finance, I think that did help me because there was a time where I was uh, working in the corporate and investment banking space and seeing how this worked. But really, I don't know that that's what made me successful in the process. I think it was just my overall career experience. And I think the key is for women or for anyone going into this is it it doesn't really matter what gender you are, it's more related to your experience, what you've achieved and how you can present that and bring that to the table. So typically, you know, I think the one thing when you go into these is there's typically um, an investment bank that's working with you who's doing a lot of the legwork and they're actually bringing out what from your company what we need to present to the investors moving forward. And they do an amazing job of of working with you to pull this information out. And for me, it was a time as I was going through that to actually, it was really important to step back and take stock of the skills that I had developed the strengths that I was bringing to the table, the things that I love about this business and the things that we've achieved about the business. And to really um, stay in that, to feel that, to actually embody that, because really that's what you are bringing to the table. It's around your experience. It's around the love of the business that you have. It's about representing and showing What it is you've achieved. And I think I would say uh, there's a tendency, I think, for women, because I know I have this, is to overthink it. But really, I would say the whole point in this is to embody the things I just said, the skills you've developed, your strengths, the things you love, the things you love about your business. And don't overthink that. If a private equity uh, company is interested in your business, it's because you know your stuff. Right? It's because you're good at what you do. So for me, I, I think the biggest piece of advice I would say is it's really important to be yourself and to shine because everything else flows from there. You are in the end of just representing what it is that you do every day, that your organization does every day. You're bringing forward uh, not only the successes you've had, the processes you've had, the success of your financials, but also the culture that you've created within your organization. And I think it's really being true to your own voice when you're in there and allowing that to come through. And for me, I think that actually really helped me stay grounded in that whole process because you need to be your authentic self when you're there and not worry about really who's on the other side of the table, but that you're your authentic you showing up and you're going to do the best representation that you can um, for your company. And so my essence is don't overthink it and just come in knowing who you are. Because who you are is going to be what what sells the deal.
0: I feel like you need to give a pep talk to women as they're going in to these meetings as a reminder. They can re-listen to what you just said. A few things stood out to me, but in particular, often women, even just in applying for a job, let's say, will often focus on what we don't have or don't bring to the table instead Mm -hmm. of all of the great things that we do have and do bring to the table. So I'm hearing you say, focus on that. Don't worry as much about who is at the table, but focus on what you bring to the table. And just to remember, you're at the table and you're there for a reason. And to remember that going in, not to let self-doubt, the evil DJ, negative speak, whatever it may be, get in your head, but to really remember you're there for a reason. And quite frankly, they're there for a reason. They saw something in your company and in the leadership team and you're part of that. So thank you for that. That was great advice.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I would say the other thing I think I brought to the table um, during that was there's also dinners that you have the night before so you get to know these people. But really, it's that kind of personal touch in not only just understanding the business needs of of that person, but you get to know them and you get to talk to them about their families and what drives them. And I think that's something women can really bring to the table is not only the professional side, but there's this real curiosity around what makes people tick as well. So that brings in all aspects. And I think for me, and and we've touched on this, I think throughout our, our conversation here, but the more that you can be yourself whether you know that you're not a different person in the office that you are at home the more you can be authentically yourself as one person and this is one of the things i learned through my meditation is that if you're really authentic and real people know what you're bringing people you you engage people differently people warm up to you differently i just find um it's easier if you can not be two people and not have to play this game of switching masks.
0: One more of that comes to mind when I hear you speak is grounded. And the meditation practice you have, it's so grounding for you. And it's so almost like peaceful to talk to you and listen to you and hear your stories and the advice you share. It's like a sense of, of calm and, and grounding that you bring in. You have a big job ahead of you. You just got you know, a nice private equity infusion, you're looking to grow quite a bit, and the investment, you know, equals growth for you. And something you're not unfamiliar with and often refer to as being similar to tending a garden. So you're looking at having just got this infusion, you're looking to grow, and yet you're still extraordinarily grounded and calm. And you think of it as tending to a garden. What does that look like for you at this point?
1: It's actually really interesting you say that because I just came back from a retreat with my, an executive retreat with my uh, executive team of the operational side of the business. And we were out on the Sunshine Coast in BC, Derek's house. And uh, we were in nature we were inspiring each other we were looking at what does it mean for us over this next cadence with our new investors we were doing our strategic planning and it was really important for us to be in nature to be able to tend that like so i love that you picked up on this tending the garden because it was it's very much around this fertile soil that we find ourselves in as we go into this next cadence And for me, it was really important to be able to take the team out to an environment that was on the coast and amongst these extremely tall cedar trees. And and just like being in nature, it was snowing, being outside, having a campfire in the snow, inspiring one another to think about where we need to grow as an organization and what that looks like. And so it's not only tending the team and our growth, but it's actually tending that uh, strategic planning. And so for us, you know, I'm looking at what does that mean for us? We're going to continue with our growth in Canada. Um, We've done some acquisitions recently. We're obviously still looking at acquisitions and we're also looking at organic growth um, and into having new verticals within the organization as well. So, But really, we're looking at not only a continued growth in Canada, but we're looking at growth into the U.S. As I mentioned earlier, we have a small footprint there today. We expect to see us um, move into this market in in a bigger way. It's going to be a key focus for us, so stay tuned on that one. But really, it's around um, nurturing the team, growing the team, creating the strategic plan. We work within the organization. We have a model that's easily scalable. And for us, and that, and that's about how do we tend the model that we have as well as we grow the organization so that we can scale, which we've done. We doubled our business when we were um, partnering with Quad C. In fact, we tripled our business. And we're actually looking to uh, do the same with our new partners. So we managed to do that by tending our processes and our model and expanding the organization. And many people actually say to me that they're amazed of the size that the organization has come and it still feels very intimate. And I think that's the way that we structure our teams, that we grow our business, we grow it in a way that the it doesn't get too big within our branches and our divisions and we spin off new areas so that we can keep that intimate feeling and the culture alive within the organization. So we're tending not only the people but um, the strategy and we're about to go into our first board meeting with our new investors. And it's an exciting time for us and we've got some big goals ahead and I'm very confident in my team after coming out of the executive planning session and sharing that with our leadership team and uh, the teams that support our business and our clients, I'm, I'm extremely excited about the opportunity in front of each of us. I think one of the keys to
0: your success, at least, and getting to know you in the company is that you do lead with purpose and not numbers. So while you have all of this you know, growth ahead of you and all of these plans and the investment and of course you know that revenue and profits are important it isn't at the core what drives you connecting with people and enabling their lifestyle which again i love enabling their lifestyle it drives you so how do you balance that the leading with purpose and know that the profit will
1: come well i think it's it's really important to have the end goal in mind so you know strategic planning has been a huge part of my career when I was at BMO and when I was at Canadian Pacific. So strategic planning and the planning for the future is obviously key for any business success to know what your metrics or what your goals are, what your objectives are and and creating a, um, a strategy that people can buy into. But when I look at that, that's fundamental and it's a foundational component of a business moving forward. But bringing that to life for me is how do you bring that to life? You can focus purely on the numbers and the metrics and the deliverables, or you can actually focus on engaging the people, connections. And that's actually something from day one um, in this company. But if I look back in my career, connections are key for me. And I think when you get that right, everything flows from there. So connecting with people, and it's not about befriending people. It's not about having people like you. It's about connecting and making sure values are aligned and and acknowledging if they are or they aren't, and then working through that. I, I think when I first joined the company here I listened to what was happening and what the people were experiencing and I was curious and I dug into things and looked at new ways to um, address challenges and issues and I think just listening to people sometimes is the key and the connections versus I'm so, so much more inspired if somebody's curious with me or interested in what I have to say versus telling me to do something and pointing me in a direction and kind of pushing me off it's that kind of old saying is you can lead the horse to water but you can't make it drink so for me is those connections are what make people thirsty and for me is that's one of the things I love about the people I work with it's how we work. Um, I find that my team work with their team is is very much around connection. And I think it's really important to say, though, is the connection has to be in balance with your overall business strategy, because otherwise it becomes lopsided. So it's, you know, it's very much a business focus, but with the people balance and the engagement and um understanding what drives people. And I think this was actually something that I really loved when I joined the organization. Derek would ask people what their dreams were. And this is why I love the the flip from our driven um, value to what's possible, because he would ask people what their dreams were. And then we would actually look at what we were achieving at work. And then he would tie it back to how they would achieve their dreams. And he knew what people's dreams were. And so for me, it was a really interesting way of keeping this lovely balance of connection with humans. And it kind of comes back to that connecting human potential to the meaningful work. And it's really, the meaningful work is is the alignment to the strategy that we have in those, as an organization, and there are some times where you have people where there's not an alignment. And at that point, then you might separate and go different ways. But I found that that's even been done in a really wonderful, um, I find we do that well here, that we actually will say, if you're going to be a really great performer, it might not be in this company, but it's going to be somewhere else. So it's not this cost off, it's actually really connections of what's the best thing for whoever's the person that you're working with or the strategy that you're working with. So I think really when I look at that, you know, there's growth and success is on the balance sheet of the business and it's on the balance sheet of life. And I think if you can keep both of those aligned and not be too heavily weighted on one or the other, and that's one of the things that I think I do and I try to do day to day with my team
0: the balance sheet of life. I absolutely love it. And I agree with you 100%. It's interesting that the difference between being a connector, which when you first said connect, that's what I was thinking. It's the connection you make with the people and your team and understanding what their dreams are, like you mentioned, Derek asked. And I love your thought process on this. We share this thinking of if it's not within SI systems and it's somewhere else, as long as you're doing, you know what you love. If I can set someone up to be successful in all things life, that's what I'm going to help them help them do. And ultimately, it benefits everyone all around. Yeah. I have to say, again, when I think of wellness, and we're almost out of time, so this is going to be my the last question before we do a very quick uh, speed round here with you, rapid okay. fire questions but you've talked a lot about meditation and being grounded and the practices that you bring to work and in your life, the balance sheet of life and leading with purpose. How do you bring your best practices for meditation and gratitude and all of the other grounding principles into the workplace? So maybe share with us a way, your favorite way that, you've been able to take something that's so important to you personally and really share that with your team and the company and how they've embraced that.
1: Really for me, I think when I first came into the organization, Derek encouraged me to, um, which I was over the moon about to actually bring some meditation into the office. So um, it was something I have to admit before I became president, it was something I did a lot more um, and I'd love to bring it back because I actually had one of our uh, a young, a couple of our young account executives, um, mm-hmm. a recent Christmas party asked me to bring it back into the office. So brought meditation into the office and I would schedule um, kind of these ad hoc 15 minutes in the boardroom and invite everybody who was in the office that day to just come into the office and would do 15-minute guided meditation with them. And it was amazing how people just relaxed, calm, dropped into it. Sometimes they weren't able to, but just the, the feedback and the support I had from people... As I said, people are now asking, can we reinstate that? Can we do that again? It's we, it, Sometimes people ebb and flow into a meditation or mindfulness practice. And what can we do to bring that back? Another example would be to actually start a meeting with um, just grounding and just taking a few minutes to feel your breath and do a couple of minutes of a guided meditation before you jump into a meeting and just say, Or what's everyone checking in with? And it allows you when you're going from meeting to meeting or video call to video call to actually stop and to breathe and to put some space between you and what just happened and actually create space for yourself and then for coming freshly into whatever the meeting is that you're about to face. So there are multiple ways that you can do this. You know, and it can just be a a gratitude process as well. I know it's something our HR team do in their their meetings, at group meetings. They always start their practice with what what are you grateful for? And so it's actually how I end the day every day with a gratitude of, of what I'm grateful for for my day. And so there are many, many ways that you can bring this into the office. Even a soft meditation bell every now and then just letting it chime and just feel the vibration and the sound of that through the office actually kind of wakes people up from whatever thought they're in and it just can ground them for a few a few
0: moments. I need to practice grounding and you're right you go from meeting to meeting and you know your mind is scattered all over the place and it doesn't really do justice you probably lose five, 10, 15 minutes of every meeting just by people not being grounded as they walk into what's happening. So the efficiencies and calmness that you can gain from it make a lot of sense. So I may talk to you more about that offline to, to learn some best practices there to introduce some things to our company. All right, this is it. Very quickly, some rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready to dive in? I am. All right, when you were a child, so this is pre-you and your mom walking through the city, so before 16, what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: I wanted to travel, and in fact, I was really interested in being either a flight attendant, a travel agent, or a pilot. I really wanted to travel the world, and I just wanted to have a career that would allow me to do that that's my inspiration. I wanted to travel. I wanted to, and, and now I think the career I, I ended up with and where I landed it has enabled me to travel, but it was very much around seeing the world. Uh, well, and
0: your sabbatical and different breaks you've taken too, that makes a lot of sense where you're comfortable going off and, and doing that, even if it's solo or with a group of people, um, yeah. it's really inspiring. What is one trend in our industry that you're seeing as kind of the next big thing?
1: I was contemplating this and I I really think for us, the thing that we're faced with at the moment is, especially in the industry that that I'm in beyond the staffing and I'm in IT staffing as well, that we're focused on here is truly, I think the thing that we're gonna be challenged with is the tech talent shortage and how that we address that for our clients how we approach that with wage inflation, inflation, with the aging workforce, with the DE&I, we're hearing more and more that our clients are looking for. I think it's going to be, for me, is how we address that tech talent shortage, how we are staffing partners for our clients, how we help with that, because for us, The digital transformation is still very real for our customers, even though we're hearing of recession and so on. So it really is how can we get in front of that and help our clients with the talent that they're looking for and addressing that. And so it's one of the things that we're talking about as an executive team And if you read, if our listeners actually read some of the blogs that we have on our website, you'll get a good idea of the things that we think are important to clients that will help drive um, some change and help address this. Incredible. Well, I can't wait to see what you all come up with. I'm
0: sure it will be incredible and would agree with you. Just finding a way, if it's upskilling, reskilling, partnerships, so many things, there's a lot of opportunity there for us to create opportunities for other people to enter IT as well. Okay, is there one app you can't live without, personally or professionally?
1: Yeah, you know, this is really funny, and I think it's going to sound crazy, but it's my banking app. When I think about <laughs> starting my career in branch banking and knowing how much work used to happen over the counter in a branch, I just know how valuable and time-saving this app is. And there's so much of my life is transacted through this magical little app that frees up so much time for me. So it's my banking app.
0: Oh my goodness. I'm not surprised based on your background. And you just reminded me another, one of my first jobs was a bank teller. So we have a little bit <laughs> of banking in common too, but that's great. Your banking app. Okay, so where do you get your information for just kind of fueling your learning and growth so what are you or even just to disconnect and just listen to whatever what are you listening to watching or learning from at the moment
1: I'm a big documentary fan and I, and I think you're hearing this that my love for nature and space history I love hearing what's going on and um, emerging trends in the world as well I'm listening to lots of different things. I, it's interesting. I was uh, on Spotify. I was just looking at my 2022 recap and it actually told me on there that I listened to 58 different genres of music this year. So that will give wow. you an understanding of I'm listening to all different kinds of things. I am um I'm reading, um, I actually do Audible a lot because I find myself in the car, so I have more time to listen. Listening to different business and also um, nature and connection, like the the interconnected um, web of everything in life. So I, I listen to a lot of that. I'm very interested in learning more about how the planet functions and how we function and how business functions in with that. My favorite streaming service is actually called Gaia, which is a platform like Netflix, which is focusing on consciousness expanding content. And that might be linked to meditation or yoga or documentaries and film. And so those are the things that really help me ground. I just, I think most of all, what am I learning from? I'm learning from you know, unplugging, being in nature, relaxing, recharging, and just observing what's going on around me and just trying to allow myself to see the magic of life that's unfolding around me in all the chaos and the noise. And I, I have to admit, I don't watch a lot of news. I, I'm i reading more than I am um, watching news these days. I find it's um, it's not helping me ground. So I've moved away from the live TV news. So well, it's not surprising.
0: Did you say 58 different genres of music?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Is that right on your Spotify list? Well, yeah. considering how you wanted to travel, travel the world, explore so many roadway things, I think there's a common thread for you throughout your story from what you, you know, who you wanted to be when you were a child all the way through your travels as an adult. And now, as you take in your information, just thank you so much for sharing your journey and your story. You have certainly inspired me and I'm sure those around us, I learned something new about this new, about the streaming platform you mentioned too. So I have something on my list to look into. And I know I can grow so much from just uh, watching you and your environment and your elements. So thank you. I bet people will want to get in touch with you and learn more. If someone listening to the podcast would like to do so, what is your preferred method of outreach?
1: I think email here at Systems would be the best way to go. It's lanie.tyler at sisystems.com, L-E-O-N-I-E dot T-Y-L-E-R at SISystems.com. Fantastic.
0: Well, thank you so much again for joining us today. And I look forward to sharing your story with our listeners. Thank you
1: so much, Leslie. It was an honor to be with you and a pleasure.